So good morning. Uh, my name's Adam. I'm the lead communicator here at Downtown Harbor Church. If it's your first time, welcome. We're so excited about next week. We're excited about today, but we're really excited about next week. It's our one-year anniversary. It's kind of been crazy to see what's gone on here um, during the past year. It's been so fun, so definitely don't miss that. When someone has asked me, they're like, what are you looking forward to the most about the one-year anniversary? And I said, well, the thing that I'm looking forward to the most is everybody finally getting to be in one room together. We strategically started Downtown Harbor Church with two services, specifically so that our volunteers who work with kids could have the opportunity to attend church. We would never do it any different, but I cannot wait to have one service next week and for all of us to be in the room together as just one big family and to meet each other and to just hang out. So, second note that you might like check out for today is that if you see me limping, yes, I kind of I think I broke my foot. I missed a step last night, and that's just unfortunate. I'm in pain, so hopefully the message won't be as painful for you today as I'm in pain. So anyway, we're going to dive in. Um, let me ask you a question before we begin. Have you ever like seen or experienced something, and you're like, this isn't the way that this is supposed to be? Have you ever like, like seen something or had an experience? Like I, you had an expectation of what it was going to be like going in, but then you got there or you experienced it, and you're like, this is nothing like I remember it or I expected it to be. Let me give you a couple of examples. So I don't know if you're a fan of the television show Friends, but like I like Friends. A lot of you have probably seen Friends before. It's great. And Caitlin and I have been watching it on Netflix and kind of going through it. And do you remember in 2003 when Friends kind of sailed off into the sunset, right? And everybody was brokenhearted. And NBC had this amazing idea. Let's produce Joey, the show. Have you seen? Did you see Joey? It was brutal. Like, I was, I was expecting, like, this to be really good. Joey Tribbiani, right? This is gonna, we're going to knock this out of the park. What a horrible idea. What a terrible show. It lasted, what, three episodes? It was bad, okay? So not like I expected. Do you like McDonald's? Anybody like McDonald's? Okay, so I, I haven't eaten McDonald's in six years. I said to myself that I was done with McDonald's at that stage of my life. I, I, I loved it. Like, there was nothing better than a double cheese with fries, number two. Like, when I was a kid, like, that was it, right? But, like, I said, okay, I'm going to try to get healthier. I'm not going to be eating McDonald's anymore. But I, re I just remember, I've done it in six years, but I don't know if you've ever seen a commercial for a Big Mac. Have you ever seen one? Like, it looks like the most succulent, like, crispy, like, the bun is crispy, like, the lettuce is, like, really nice and, like, you know, fluffy, and the cheese is phenomenal. Like, this burger is going to change your life, and then you get one, and it's like a wet paper towel with a piece of cheese on it, right? Who, who, I, I don't understand. Like, I was expecting this delicious meal, and this is what came. I was like, I didn't expect it. I bring up that because, in reality, a lot of the things that I've expected and my expectations have been unfulfilled. Nothing has been like a greater sense of unfulfillment than my experience with the local church. Because I had some expectations based on what I read, based on the words of Jesus and what he indicated that we should do with our lives. And I remember even in my first experiences in churches, kind of going, going to church and through you know, things and I just going, this can't be the way that it was supposed to be. I don't know what it's supposed to be like, but what I'm experiencing ain't it. It cannot be. It's impossible because what I'm reading and what I'm experiencing just don't line up. And so sure enough, when we launched Downtown Harbor Church a year ago, we wanted to launch something that actually lined up with what Jesus said and what he indicated to do with our daily lives. 
See, because why it's so important for those of you who are a part of DHC to kind of tune in to this message series over the next three weeks, this Love Your Neighbor. And if you're going to miss the one-year anniversary, you'll be out of town. Just don't, make, don't, don't, uh, you know, don't miss catching up online because it's going to be so important to our future. Because what I'm about to say in the next three weeks is the absolute core of downtown Harbor Church. What I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of unveil our vision and mission and what we're all about in our city and why it's so important for those of us who are engaged Engaging with church, maybe some of us for the first time, maybe some of us again after a long time, understand the core and the DNA of what Downtown Harbor Church is about. Because, let me tell you this, the one thing based on my expectation of what church should be like that was unfulfilled is because I felt like something was missing in the local church. I felt like this thing called love was absent. And I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't connect the dots because Jesus talked about it so clearly. He gave us so, such clear instructions that love was like missing. And you know, in the local church recently, because there's been just talk about this word love and like analysis of this word love, in the local church, if you've been around any local church for any length of time, it's interesting what a local church's opinion is about this word. Because in some circumstances, love has gotten a bad rap. We can't love people too much. We can't do that in local churches. We can't, we can't open our doors to everyone. No, no, we can't do that. It's kind of gotten a bad rap, and we talk about loving other people as we would ourselves. It's almost gotten a bad rap. We can't accept people where they're at. We, can, we have to change them, right? And love in the local church is just a thing that has gotten a bad rap. But before I talk about that today, let me kind of reset the bar here and ask a question. I want everybody to kind of think about this internally. Why are we here? Why are you at Downtown Harbor Church? Why, why are we here? Why did we start this? And I know the answer could probably vary for a lot of people. For some people, it's community to get to know each other. For some people, it's to kind of have spiritual conversations and dialogue. For some people, it's for their kids and they want them to engage with the local church. And, and so, but you have to ask yourselves the question, why are we here? All of us collectively, why are we here? And I'm going to put an answer up on the screen. And it's not the only answer, but I think this is one answer that we can kind of agree on together, at least at some level. Whether it's very intro level or you want to go really deep, I think we could answer this question. Is that we are here, our goal is to know God. At some level, whether you know, it's our first experience or it's a continued experience and we're trying to figure out what this is, our goal at the end of the day is to know God. I think we can always agree on that. Our goal is to try to figure out who he is, this massive creator of the universe that we use the word he to describe probably because Jesus was him on the earth. Our goal is to figure out more about our creator and to try to know him better, try to get our families to know him better, to collectively commune with each other, to try to know God better. But see, we're not the first people to attempt to get to know God. People have been attempting to get to know God for thousands of years. And there are these people, these ancient Jewish people, these people who lived thousands of years ago and who wrote the very first part of the scriptures in their journey to know their creator, their journey to know God. These ancient Jewish people had the opportunity to know God as well, and they documented this. So this has been happening. People have been coming into places like this and in communities with each other, trying to know God for thousands of years. But when these ancient Jewish people, people who lived thousands of years ago, attempted to know God, they implemented some things that when they did these things, they would know God more. So I'm going to call it the old way. 
so I can describe to you what they did to know God more and to know God better. So the first thing is this. They had Ten Commandments. There were these laws that they had to follow that a guy went up to a mountain and got them from God and brought them off the mountain and delivered them to the people and said, hey, if you do this, if you follow these 10 things, you will know God more. You will be the way you can connect with your creator. It's him teaching you how to live. These 10 commandments. Then they even made those 10 commandments into 613 laws. I'm having clicker glitches. 613 laws. They actually took it a step further and made laws for each other to practice that kind of surrounded the Ten Commandments. And when they did that, they would know God more. And when they broke one of those laws, they would participate in a sacrifice. They'd have to atone with God. They'd have to bring an animal to an altar and actually kill the animal to make themselves right then again with God. And then they had rituals that they performed and participated in. And all these things were good. They weren't bad. This is just the way that these ancient people who documented all of these things got to know God. It drew them closer to their creator. And the last one would have been tough for me, but this is what they did. It was really important. This was one of the 613 laws. No polyester, right? It couldn't happen. No polyester. There it is. It's coming up. No polyester. It's a joke, but they actually, you know, When they did these things, they were closer to God. They knew God more, but they were waiting for something. This just wasn't what they wanted to do forever. They were waiting for a Messiah. They were waiting for someone who would come to earth and claim to be God, who would make things right with God so that they wouldn't have to do that anymore. Meaning, When the Messiah comes and pronounces himself and proves that he is God, if we say yes and believe in him, then we don't have to do any of that anymore. They were waiting for a Messiah. But then something happened. Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up claiming to be this Messiah, claiming to be the son of the ever-living God and said, hey, by the way, you want to t- you're like, I want to prove to you that I am who I say that I am. I'm going to die, and three days later, I'm going to come back to life proving that I am God. So Jesus showed up, and sure enough, he did exactly what he said he would do, proving to these people that he was God, their Messiah was there. No more laws did they need if they said yes to the Messiah. They then were made right with God. But Jesus didn't just show up to make everyone right with God who believed in him, even though that was the main reason. Jesus showed up with a lot of lessons about how to actually live and what to do. And if you study the life of Jesus, he says some radical, amazing things. If you were here with us in the summer, you know we went through this uh, message series called Revolutionary that was based on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where we looked at all of these kind of wild things that he said that would radically transform our lives if we listened to him. But Jesus showed up and he taught us how to live. And then, and you've seen this before if you've been at Downtown Harbor Church, but you're going to see it again, I promise you, over and over. Because During the time that he was on earth, one of the teachers of the religious law was standing there. The old law, the old way, listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, this is what he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus said, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then he said, then he said this, which changed everything. It transformed everything. He said, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. I'm going to prove to you that I am who I say that I am. I'm going to predict my own death and resurrection, but I'm going to tell you what's the most important thing that you could do. You've said yes to me. You're made right with God. Now go love your neighbor as yourself. And my disconnect that I talked about early on with the local church was that I would go and I would participate. I even worked there. And I would look at this and I would say, Jesus said this is the most important thing we could do. And we're not doing anything like that, at least that I can see. Love is a backseat priority. And as early as I was a young kid, right? Therefore, there's a problem. Because if the local church is not lining up with what Jesus said is the most important thing that we could ever do, we have what? We have a problem. And Jesus came to kind of fix these problems because there's always a problem. And here's the problem, that we've created new laws that aren't laws. What do you mean? We've created new laws that aren't actually laws. Meaning, the local church has taken this simplistic thing that Jesus said, the most simple form that we could ever understand. Yes, I believe, now go love. Yes, I believe, now go love. We've taken this simple form and we've created new laws that aren't laws. We've created new barriers. We've created new barriers between people and Jesus. The local church has created these barriers and stiff-armed people. And I, so I started to ask myself, as we launched Downtown Harbor Church, what are these barriers? What are these things that the local church has put up? Well, I'll tell you this. One year ago, we were getting ready to launch. And before we did, we took some time last summer, and we asked some of our family and friends who didn't go to church, why don't you go? You don't even have to come when we launch Downtown Harbor. We just want to know, why don't you go? We'd love just an honest opinion. We'd love to know what's keeping you back from engaging with the local church. And the most amazing thing was they actually told us. And we kind of put all the answers together. And we came up with what we think are the five barriers that stand between people and the local church. Because if the old way was gone, the old way over here was history. And Jesus said, you don't have to do that anymore. We've actually created new laws that aren't laws. And here's the first one. Politics. It is such a barrier between community and the local church. Right now, oh boy, is it a barrier right now. But here's the truth. Churches all over America and all over the world are talking about this and putting politicians on the stage. And you know what we said at Downtown Harbor Church when we launched? We would never, ever do that. You want to know why? Because we immediately alienate 50% of our community as soon as we do it. I don't care whether you're a Republican, Democrat, Independent, Green Party, who's that other guy, Johnson. I don't care. I don't know if he's green. I don't care. It doesn't matter. We're just never going to talk about it here. And the church, the local church, has used its platform to advance their political agenda. Not here. The message of Jesus has nothing to do with politics. I don't care if you love politics. You want to watch it all the time. Fine. That's great. No problem. We're just not going to put it here on this stage will never, ever happen. A barrier between community and Jesus, a new law. Second one is inward focused. This is so important for us to understand, especially if you're new and haven't heard this before because some of you have seen this before and it's important for all of us to be refreshed on vision. But this thing 
This idea of being inward focused. It's this idea that churches have basically decided to create events for themselves and their own people. And we're going to put on these events and you come in here so that we can all huddle together. At Downtown Harbor Church, we do not do our own events, and there's a very specific reason to understand why. We only partner with city and community events, so we can go out into the community, and we can meet people, and people like you guys can bring people to it, and it's not an event like this or a church service where it's kind of weird the first time, and people are coming in going, what am I getting into? That's why we don't have our own events, because we will never be inward-focused. Last December... We, for the first time, had the Winterfest Boat Parade, where we as a church just kind of said, hey, we're going to go and hang out. We'll be over here if you want to meet us. And people brought friends to that event just because it was a non-threatening, really cool environment. Some of those people who came to that for the first time that event are still a part of Downtown Harbor Church today. It's awesome to see what happens when we're not inward focused and we never will be. There's an event coming up on the 24th of September. You're going to see it posted on our Facebook page. It's over at the Top Hat Deli, I think, right over here. If you want to go to that and just hang out, it's an awesome way to get to know people better, to be in community. But we want to go and we want people to come up to us. And I loved it at the Winterfest Boat Parade. People would come up to us and they go, you're a church? We said, yes, ma'am. They go, you guys seem pretty normal. I said, well, we try, okay? And we're focused. I mean, some of us, right? How, no how normal can we be? Okay, here's the other one. Here's the third one. Fake. Gosh, this really, ooh, I'm preaching up here now. It's burning me, right? I don't understand this mentality that people who go to church on Sunday feel like they have to be someone different on Monday. I don't get it. And I've seen it throughout my entire church experience that people will walk in and they will be someone else on Sunday than they are on Monday. Specifically, who's ever on stage with a microphone. Allow me to tell you this. Like me, don't like me, think my clothes are too tight, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm always going to be me. I am who I am. If you don't like it, this probably isn't the place for you. And we're okay with that because we want people to connect where they feel like they should connect. You will see me sometimes throughout my week at a meeting with coffee, having coffee with somebody. You might see me praying with a family who's going through something terrible or tragic. And you might see me at happy hour. It's okay. I'm never going to hide who I am just because I'm a part of a church. It's okay. We want you to be who you are and come in here. You don't have to change anything about you. We want you to come in here and be who you are. Fake will never be a priority for us. The fourth one is this. It's the waste of time. How many times have you been to a church service and you're kind of sitting there scratching your head going, what are they talking about? I have no idea what this stooge with a microphone is going on and on about. Here's what we said when we started DHC. The number one thing that we spend our time on, other than families and kids, because that is such a huge priority to our church and our ministry, we were always going to spend so much time developing our content. Content is the word that we use to describe what you all hear on a Sunday morning, whether it's me speaking or someone else. We are going to spend so much time developing it so that what you hear on Sunday can actively be put into your life on Monday. We never, ever want this to be a waste of your time. And lastly, the one that was just a heartbreaker that we heard for so many, from so many people is this. It's conditional acceptance, meaning, come on in, you can come in, but you really can't be like us or engage with us unless you're like us. 
you really can't sign up to volunteer or to be involved if you're not exactly like us. That's the reason we don't have church membership. Some of you may have heard that expression before. Just in my life, I have to tell you something. I've never heard of a more backwards idea than church membership. Because it's this idea of conditional acceptance that, yeah, you can sign up to be a member of our organization after you take our few-week class and then sign on the dotted line after you agree with all of these doctrinal principles. And if you don't, then we can't have you be a part of what we're doing. You think I'm making this up? I'm absolutely telling the truth. These things are barriers between people and Jesus. The local church has just created new laws that keep people at arm's length and at Bay. And at Downtown Harbor Church, when we launched our church, we said what we were going to do was take these away. We were going to take away every barrier that stood between culture and Jesus. Because with these in place, love is losing. Love is losing. And Jesus, Jesus said that love was the most important thing that we could ever do. And the local church, I'll tell you, if you ask people on the street, they're known for a number of things. People will tell you over and over again. They won't tell you that they're known for love because love is losing. And I've listened to one too many people who's had a bad church experience and felt judged, and we could not sit idly by for one more day. We had to do something because love was losing. And at DHC, for the first time, we want it to win more than it's ever won before. But I'll tell you this, this isn't the first time this has happened, that people started to put barriers between people and Jesus. The early church started to do it too. Allow me to tell you a story, just real quick, about a guy, a guy by the name of Paul. Now, Paul was one of kind of the figureheads of the Christian faith after Jesus died. In fact, Paul wrote over half of the New Testament in the ancient scriptures. But Paul was a guy, before he became a Christian and a follower of the Jesus movement, Paul was a guy who hated Christians. He wanted to hunt them down and kill them because they were so different and they were changing things. Paul, then on the road, this road called the road to Damascus, this road, Paul had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life. And he became a follower of the Jesus movement. And sure enough, Paul, kind of this figurehead that I'm talking about, said he wrote over half the New Testament in the ancient scripture. He started to help train new local churches, much like us, to do things better, to be able to engage with Jesus more. And he would guide them through their process. And he would write letters to these churches, and they're recorded in the ancient text. But Paul wrote one specifically to a church in Galatia. Because the church in Galatia, here's what they were doing. They were followers of the Jesus movement, but what they were doing was they were sprinkling the old law back in. Follow me for a second. Don't miss this. As a part of the old law that I had on the right side of the screen, ancient Jewish people could not be accepted into the faith unless they were circumcised. Now, Paul, to the church in Galatia, the church in Galatia was telling their people that as well. You can't be a part of this new Jesus movement if you've not been circumcised. If you don't know what circumcision is, Google it, just not on this Wi-Fi, okay? Because we don't, we're the museum, right? But that's what he said. He goes, you can't be a part of what you're doing, or you can't be a part of what we're doing unless you participated in this ritual, okay? So Paul, oh boy, because Jesus wiped all that out and they were bringing it back. Oh, does Paul have something to say to them? Listen to the language that this guy uses 
toward the church in Galatia who is sprinkling the old law back in. It's in the book of Galatians chapter 5, if you want to turn there, because it is graphic. I'm warning you, I'm warning you up front. It's graphic, and this is how serious he was about it. He said, Christ has set us free to enjoy our freedom. Probably a lot more angry than I'm saying it, just by the tone, right? Christ has set us free to enjoy our freedom. So remain strong in the faith. Don't let the chains of slavery hold you again. He referred to the old law as slavery. That's how bad it was to put it back in. And then he said, he said this, he said, come on clicker. There we go. Here is what I, Paul, say to you. Don't let yourselves be circumcised. If you do, Christ won't be of any value to you. For in Christ Jesus, don't miss this, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. And then he nails it so brilliantly. He says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts, the only thing that counts, he said it, not me. The only thing that counts is faith saying yes to Jesus. I believe that you are who you say that you are and now expressing itself through love. And then he goes on, dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. Don't miss this. No one would be offended if I'm not doing this. And then he said, I just wish that those troublemakers, ooh, here we go, the people who are saying that circumcision is now necessary again, he called them troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision, would mutilate themselves. Don't just take a little bit off. Cut the whole thing off if you're going to do it. That's how serious he is. He goes, you want to go that far? Lop the whole thing off then. Go ahead and mutilate yourself. For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in what? In love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. The church in Galatia, one of the earliest churches, was putting up barriers. And Paul said, hey, knock it off. Everybody has the right to know Jesus, not just people who participated in some ritual. Everybody in this day and age has the right to know who Jesus is and how he can change your life in a miraculous way. And then you can go love your neighbor as yourself. But the problem is, because there's always a problem, the local church of today has put up other barriers. And because they've done that, love is losing. Love is losing. And I don't know about you, but if Jesus is who he said that he was, and I believe that with all of my heart, if Jesus is who he said that he was, then love needs to be the most ever-present part of the local church. It cannot be misinterpreted. So you need to be sure you don't minimize what Jesus maximized. Be sure you don't minimize what Jesus maximized. And so for so long, it's broken my heart that the local church has put barriers between people and Jesus. And they said, mm-mm. Unless you do this, this, and this, and this, you can't come in here and be like us. And love has been minimized. Love has been kind of abused because we're just about the glorification of our own ego and our own personal agenda. No longer, no more 
Downtown Harbor Church has to be different. We have no choice. We have to start getting this right if the message of Jesus is going to live on. Because this is what the Apostle Paul said. The guy who was famous for following Jesus in a radical way, wrote over half the New Testament, he said this, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's it. So think about this for a second. What if we actually started to get this right, this love your neighbor? What would it look like? Let me give you a couple of examples just because I, I think this might help you out. Number one you got to start understanding what a neighbor is. Because a neighbor is not a guy next door, even though he might be. A neighbor, let's just start with a couple examples. A neighbor is your spouse. And so maybe what you need to do is you start understanding how you love your neighbor is maybe you need to put your relationship and your marriage, the top priority in your life, and focus on loving your spouse more than anyone and making your relationship the best that it can be. If you're not in a relationship, there's a chance you probably will be someday. What if you worked on that and just made that the best? Loving your neighbor is yourself. What about, what about your family, your kids, your parents, your siblings? Listen, I know loving family is hard because let's just, a lot of them are idiots. We know this. Like we, and you're, you have people who are mine, you're coming to your mind right now. It's just hard, right? I know it's hard for all of us, but Jesus calls us to love your neighbor as yourself. What about your coworkers in your office? What about somebody who got something that you actually deserved? Loving your neighbor as yourself. What if downtown Harbor Church got this right and we were the people who listened to what Jesus said? Because let me tell you something that doesn't often get talked about, about the early, the local church who got this the best. They were in the streets adopting children and just picking up kids who had no homes and taking them into their homes. They were people who helped widows with no families and gave of themselves, not only monetarily, but their time, their energy, and their effort. They got this. What if our marriages and our relationships at Downtown Harbor Church were the best in the entire city, and people said, I don't know what they have, but I want it. What if we were the people who helped people in need? I'm not talking about enabling someone. I'm talking about someone with a real need. What would that look like? What would our city look like? What would our communities look like? And here's the deal. For a year, for one year, we've been doing this at Downtown Harbor Church. For one year, we've been peeling these barriers away. And next week, at the venue in Wilton Manors, people said, hey, what's the, where's the venue? I said, that's the name of it. It's the venue, right? It's kind of weird, but it is. It's really cool. We're going to celebrate this. We're going to celebrate all that we've been doing. Let me tell you why. Because people have been coming to engage with Downtown Harbor Church for the first time, or the first time in a long time. Our community is changing. And here's the most important part. Lives are being changed. Lives are being changed through what God's doing. Because I believe, at least for the first time in my adult life, and even my life as a kid before, I believe for the first time we at Downtown Harbor Church are getting this right. From the core of my being, from every ounce of me, I believe we are getting this right. 
The only thing that counts. The only thing that counts. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Everything changes. Nothing would be the same if we just got this. Let me pray. Dear God, it's all about you, and we're so thankful for who you are. And Jesus, loving is so hard. That's why you called us to do it. Because, see, following the law is easy. And when we just break it, we just go, you know, make it right with you. The front of the altar, it's easy to do it. But loving, oh, loving is hard. But you've said that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And then Paul confirmed it by saying the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So I pray at Downtown Harbor Church, you would help us to be some of the first people to get this exactly right. So that your movement, your message, your revolutionary grace-filled message of restoration and redemption can spread throughout our hearts and our city. And Jesus, we will be so quick to just say it's all about you. And we pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen.